Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 367 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Pink Seals answers your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey, and uh, yes, welcome to all of you out there in listener land. And, yes, uh, indeed, and we're back after a week's break, Alois. We've been pretty busy, but good to be back on the podcast. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Last week was a bit of a crazy week for me, but yeah, it's good good to be back. Yeah, and guess what, Alois? What's that, Jeff? I, after that break, I'm just itching to tell you about my allergies. <laughs> Haven't you missed the jokes? You had two weeks, Jeff. Two weeks, I tell you. Two <laughs> weeks to prepare. That's, that's what you come up with. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I had this other one, but I wasn't sure if it was good or not, um, or or appropriate given you know what's going on. But as a doctor, which I'm not, I never make a joke about an unvaccinated baby. But let me give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe we need to sort of spread these shows out for three or four weeks. Maybe maybe you can come up with something. In that time, I think we should have a show just of my jokes. I think that would be that would be. Yeah, we we have discussed this, and and I think we sort of agreed because then I wouldn't actually be on here and listen to them. <laughs> that's actually oh, a good idea. Good. Yes, we, we actually didn't. Did we? Was I imagining it, or did we, did one of our readers actually write to us and say that he enjoyed your jokes? Was that? You weren't imagining it. It was not just one. We've had multiple. <laughs> uh, who doesn't? I think everyone does, honestly. You'd be mad well, not to. Yeah. Mad like not to. Now, Alois, can you yes. tell us what happened in this week in table tennis? Or Yeah, well, actually, it's been it, – it's a, it's a pretty prestigious sort of week. You know, or a week, you know, a couple of weeks maybe. Um so one of my favourites, Jang Jialiang's birthday on the 3rd of the 3rd, 1964. Wow. Um, yeah, so he's exactly three months and three days older than me, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, I had the privilege of playing him a couple of times in between his um, in between his two world championships, and he absolutely smashed me. But, yeah. So you just, might have caused uh, him a bit of trouble. Uh, no. No, only uh, only if he was laughing too much. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, incredible player. I mean, in a style that I don't know whether we'll ever see it again, Jeff, you know, the, no. the short pips, uh, pen hold, sm- basically smashing every ball, running around only using the forehand um, on, you know, 80, 90% of shots. Um, yeah. Yeah, was, uh, was a master of his time. Two world championships for Jeng Galliang. We have seen yep. a few short pimp, pimp players coming up recently, though. Yeah, yeah, but uh, not like that, is it? I mean, not the no. old and, uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, smashing the ball. And and I wonder, you know, now would he would he be okay with, the, you know, the the, the plastic ball? And, mm. um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? But uh, I think he would have been good in any era. And, you know, he did beat my uh, favourite... Uh, Janovo Voldner in that final in 87. You know, I think I've mentioned it once. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, <laughs> he, he was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> but also, um, well, tomorrow uh, for where we are and w when we're uh, having the show, the 8th of March is Timo Bowles' birthday. So, uh, yeah, a great left-hander. And he will be, so he was born in 1981, Jeff. So what, what is that, 40, 41 years old? Is that My right? My goodness. Yeah. That's correct. Turning 41. Uh, yeah, just really incredible to the longevity of, uh, of Bol. So um, big happy birthday to you, Timo Bol. It's great Indeed. to see you still kicking around and still uh, having good results. Yes, happy birthday. Very impressive. Yeah. And, and and just another shout out, just a personal shout out to uh, to another guy uh, who is pretty infamous in Australian table tennis, and um, that's Merv Tepper, and he turned ninety um, last or on the twenty fourth of February, so ninety years old. Um, I guess you know one of his claims to fame is that he his four kids all represented Australia in table tennis. That is amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, pretty incredible. And yeah, coming from a little, uh, a small country town um, in the middle of nowhere, basically, and uh, used to drive the kids down to down to the big city, down to Melbourne. You know, used to take three, four hours to, to drive down. So uh, yeah, a bit of a legend, uh, old Merv Tepper, just mm -hmm. turned ninety. Ninety. Wow. And did Merv was Merv good at table tennis himself? He was he was handy, a pen holder, and. Uh, Used to poke the ball around. A pen Yeah, but also a, a bit of a bit of a legend of a tennis player as well. So, um, yeah. He didn't so, play that pen hole, did he? I don't think so. It would, would be pretty hard on the on the fingers. I'd I'd say. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So anyway, a big happy birthday to Merv Tepper, and he he was the coach of my first ever nationals um, team when I was. Oh, I was must have been twelve or something like that. Twelve. My 13. goodness. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, happy birthday, Zhang Ziling, uh, Timo Bowl, and Merv Tepper. That's, That's right. Good. Nice. What a way to, you know, up bring uh, joy to the show. That there was you good. are. Excellent. Yes. Cool. Excellent. And now. That's what, uh, we, that's what we like to do: bring joy to the world. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and now it is time for the tip of the week. What have you got for us? Well, if for those of you that haven't uh, seen it, we, we did a little podcast um, uh, last week on uh, on just the, the roles of parents in in sport and uh, and and really just the um, um, you know the development of kids in sport at that early age. So if you haven't uh, had a listen to it or watch it, um, yeah, jump on and uh, and have a look at that uh, that little discussion. Yes, yeah, so if, if you just go to the homepage, pingseals.com, it's up there at the moment, the latest blog, or you can just go to the blog link and you'll see it there. Yep. Yeah. And I, I was talking to um, one of the other um, a friend and uh, a coach um, here, in um in melbourne as well um jenny and she was she was <laughs> at her um at her son's cricket match and um you know and uh, and watching and and she's she's been on both sides of the fence you know being a being a coach and um and dealing with parents and and you know one of her comments was it's, it's good to see it from the other side as well when you're when you're a parent 
um, on the sidelines and, uh, you know, anxious about your kids um, uh, playing and, you know, thinking about what they're doing. And I think you you have similar sort of uh, experiences too, don't you, Jeff? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and cricket is such a terrible game for a parent because I don't know if people play cricket overseas much that are listening, but when, when it's your turn to bat, if you make one mistake, that's it, you're out and you don't get to bat for the rest of the day. Um, so it's, it's really nerve wracking compared to other sports. Table tennis, you know, you miss a forehand smash. You, you've got to play the next point. And well, unless that was the, the, the one that was the match point. But you get so many more chances, so it's really hard to watch um, cricket, and you do get anxious. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's but but uh, I but also I think that um, that anxiousness can rub off um, on, on the kids, and the kids sometimes don't want their parents around if they're always coming up to them. What happened? How'd you get out? What did you do that for? <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah right. so I think it's better just to you know sit back, watch it. And then, you know, not even necessarily talk about it unless your kids want to. Yeah, that's right. In our, in our podcast, we sort of talked about, you know, the um, the one-way mirror, um, you know, having parents behind the one-way mirror so that uh, the kids can't see all their reactions and oohs and ahs and that sort of thing. And uh, and, and Jenny made a good point. It's sort of, With cricket, because you're so far away from the kids, it sort of almost acts as a, as a one-way mirror. You know, because you, yeah, the the kids, or you're, or you're too far away from the kids, hopefully, for them to to see all of your uh, your anxiety and, and reactions. <laughs> yes, yes. Whereas table tennis, it's often you're a bit closer, aren't you? Yeah. That's right. Yes. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, jump jump on and uh, have a listen and watch, and uh, would love to get your feedback on um, on some thoughts there. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting here because I think there's, there's like, like you said, there's two sides to it, isn't there? Because you just mentioned Merv Tepper, who had four kids that all represented Australia, and obviously he was, you know, you said traveling all around from his small country town, and so maybe there is a right way to do it and a not so good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? That's right. Who knows? All right, <laughs> jump on and have a have a listen. All right, well, that does bring us on to the main part of the show, um, and. This is where you answer our viewers' questions, Alois. Excellent. I'm looking are, forward are you to ready? It. I'm always ready, Jeff. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Always ready to talk about table tennis. First up, right. we've got Pong Saran, who asked us a question. How do you know which serve to use in different situations? Like, when do you use the long serve? When should you use a backhand serve? And which serve should you use when you're down 9-10? Yeah, that's a that's a big question, Pongsaran. Um, I think one really important part of all this is just reading what's happening in the match as you go along. So I don't really think that there's a there's a recipe for your serves. So you know that I'm going to do this serve at two all, and I'm going to do this serve at five all, and I'm going to do this serve at um, at nine all. Um, I think it's really just feeling what's happening in the match, what's happened in the previous point, what's happened in the previous, you know, two or three serves that you've that you've done. You know, are you sort of setting them up um, by serving two or three short serves to the forehand, and then then do you serve one long to the backhand, for example? You know, but if you've served the last three long to the backhand, maybe that's not the best 
option. Um, so it's really about uh, reading reading what's happening during the match, reading your opponent, and uh, just making that decision on the fly. You know, so really just seeing what's in front of you, and just um, seeing what's happened during the game as well. And for each opponent, it's different. You know, um, like if I'm serving to Jeff, you know, I might serve a different serve than if I'm serving against uh, someone else. Uh, because I know that Jeff's got certain strengths and maybe some certain weaknesses, and right. uh, you know, and then a, a different opponent's going to have different strengths and weaknesses that you that you're trying to work on and exploit. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? And look, I shouldn't bring this up, Alois, but it is it is the time. When games were up to 21, you had five serves <laughs> in a row, so you could you know, mix it up more. You could. You could try those, set them up a bit more, a few short ones, and then suddenly the long fast one on your fourth serve, maybe. <laughs> oh, sorry, Jeff, you finished. That I'm up. done. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Yeah. You you, you could uh, you could set things up a little bit more, but you know, then does it does having two serves just um, I guess level the playing field a little bit more? Yeah, maybe. And maybe you still can set things up just with a two-serve break in between it, you know? That's right. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, it's it's a little bit – yeah, it's a it's a little bit about just, um, you know, remembering what's what's happened prior and um, and analysing as you're going through the match, you know, what's what's happening, what's happened. Um, you know, and it, and it can even just be um, how a person sets up for the return. You know, mm. so if you notice that they've turned a little bit and, and now they're really uh, looking for a forehand because they've turned a bit uh, to favour their forehand, you know, that's the time to play the ball to the to the other side, you know, play it short to the backhand, long to the backhand perhaps. So, yeah, it's taking all of that into account. But interestingly, just when I was thinking about this question, um. I'm sure that Stellan Bengtsson, the great Swedish player that won the World Championships in 1971, um, said once, and um, and I was lucky enough to meet him when he came to Australia. I was very, very young. But he talked about knowing exactly what serve he was going to do at 19-all, or uh, which which it was in those days. Um, so, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, yeah, interesting, you know, that... I mean, world champion, and that's that was the thinking that he had. Yeah, well, hard to argue with that. But, yeah, I still think that's a bit too predetermined, like you said. You really want to uh, take note of the situation. And then, like you said, different opponents uh, have the different strengths. So I really like the point you made when answering the question there, that what when you're a returning serve against someone and they've got a serve that you've had trouble with, the last thing you'd want is for them to serve that serve at a crucial point in the match. So you should do that. If you've got a serve that's troubling someone, then at a crucial point, use it. Yeah, exactly. That That's right. And, yeah, and it, it, it's a good way to think about it, isn't it, Jeff, when you – if you just reverse the roles and think, yeah. you know, what would what would I not like now or what, what do you think that he's not going to like now? Um, yeah. Or he or she, so, yeah. So. Definitely. All right, great question, Pongsaran, and thanks for um, thanks for putting it in. All right, next up is a question from Ardak, who um, is talking about the thickness of table tennis rubbers. So, when he was using the two millimeter 
rubber on his forehand. He was playing the top spins beautifully. And then he went to the maximum thickness, which I think is like 2.2 mils. And he was having some troubles. He was The ball was just flying off the end of the table. So he's wondering, is that a coincidence? Or does it depend on many other things, like the blade, the opponent, um, the position during the stroke, etc.? Yeah. So in general, Adak, the the thicker the the sponge on your rubber, if if they're the same types of rubber. So if you're using a, a type of ru- rubber, whatever it is, if you increase the thickness of the sponge, then that uh, rubber is going to be faster, um, and it tends to be able to also generate more spin. So what you need to do is think about just adjusting slightly um, the the strokes that you're going to play with that faster rubber. As long as you're aware of it, you, you'll be able to adjust really quickly. But if you're not aware of it, then you might think, oh, my goodness, what's happening? The ball just keeps going off the end of the table. So if you've gone up to a thicker sponge, then that's what the issue will be. The, the ball will now be coming out of the the racket a little bit faster so you need to um, adjust your stroke put a little bit more spin um, uh, alter the angle of your blade very very marginally but you know i mean so marginally that you don't even need to think about it it's just a a matter of understanding that the ball the racket's faster um, and i need to uh, get that ball on the table yeah and i think you made some important points in the comments in this question about um one way to counteract it going off the table if you're using the faster rubber is to get more spin on it and those thicker sponges allow you to do that if you've got the right technique and i think that's why um as you get better the faster rubbers you might even find them you can play better be and even maybe more consistent because you can get more spin and then you can get that more dip and so you get more margin for error but if you're not really confident and you're not swinging fast and you're not being able to brush that ball really finely, then you're not going to get that extra spin and it's just going to fly off your racket. So it really is dependent on your game style and your ability level, what thickness of rubber is going to suit you. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so you know, so init- and, that, and that's why we always say to players, I mean, don't go out and get something that's way too fast for you um, to start off with because you'll spend the whole time just trying to control the ball and, and get it on the table rather than thinking about developing your, your strokes, etc. Yeah, you really want to be able to have that nice stroke so you can increase the speed and then you can increase the spin and, yeah, definitely. But it's a good question, Ardak. Um, so thanks for, um, yeah, thanks for bringing it up. And I think in the show notes, Alice, you just mentioned, I'll put in a link to that um, choosing a bat video, which talks about um, the different levels you should be using as you progress. Yep, so I'll add that to the show notes. Nice one. Uh, Next up is a question from Jasper, who wants to know about sleeping well the night before a tournament or or a match. So, He's, he's had this problem lately where he struggled to sleep well because he's too excited and he's overthinking about the matches that's going to happen. And then the next day is a bit tired, so he's not playing as well as he would like. So that's happened to him twice already. What can he do to prepare so he can sleep well the night before a tournament? Yeah, this is an interesting one um, for, for players that are playing tournaments. I think the first thing is to understand that you're probably – going to be anxious uh, before um, a major tournament 
and you're probably not going to sleep as well as you normally do. So I think it's firstly just accept, accepting that. Um, you can certainly put some things in place that will help you to sleep. But I think the biggest problem is that if you have that tournament tomorrow, um, you think, okay, I've got to get to sleep, I've got to get to sleep, I've got to get to sleep, mm-hmm. and you, you're just trying way too hard to get to sleep, and, and that just gets you anxious, and now suddenly it's 10, 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock in my case. Um, suddenly it's <laughs> 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you're still not asleep, you, you, you become more anxious, you think, oh, I'm just not going to play well. So that's the first thing. Just understand that there will be a little bit of um, anxiety before the tournament and just accept that. The second thing is to understand that there's not necessarily a correlation between the number of hours sleep that you get the night before and your results. So it doesn't mean that if you get 10 hours sleep, your results will be um, higher. Um, You know, often... Often I've seen players walk into the hall pretty tired. Um, you know, they, they haven't slept well. They've, you know, they might have had a really hard week and they play really well. They play, you know, have a, have a, have a great tournament, great match, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't have to be that I have to feel great. I have to have, um, you know, perfect week of sleep um, to, to achieve my, um, my best results. Um, so if you understand that, then I think that also helps you to reduce that anxiety about the amount of sleep you're getting the night before a tournament. So yeah, yeah so yeah. it's a bit of bit of both. Yeah, that's interesting. And of course, you don't want to take that too far. Like you're just getting no sleep, you're getting two hours of sleep in a night. Obviously, over a long period of time, that's going to be not good. But just yeah, one night of not sleeping, your body can probably cope with that, can't it? Yeah, that's right, and and I think it, it then also goes back to as as you said, you know, it's it's about the week or the two weeks before the tournament, you know, just making sure you're putting some uh, some um, sleep hours in the bank as well, you know, just sleep when you can, you know, get um, get as much sleep as you can, um, make sure you're recovering well after your training or after school or work or whatever it is, um, and uh, you know, then if you do happen to not sleep well on the night before yeah, you, everything's not going to be lost yeah excellent advice all right well jasper hopefully that helps you out and um try out a few of those tips and as i said you can do a few things like develop a routine before bed that allows you to you know wind down and then you can be uh more likely to go to sleep but yeah also think that you know it's it's not the end of the world if you don't get the best night's sleep just the night before yeah, and and you'll and you'll start to learn about things that will help you to get to sleep, um, and you know developing those routines as as you said, Jeff. So um, you know over time, just experiment, see what works. You know, is it a glass of hot milk um, before you go to bed, or is it <laughs> um, you know reading reading a book for an hour? Um, is it uh, going through your your notes about your opponents for the following day? Uh, whatever it is, yeah, find try. And, find that routine that's going to help you to just um, settle settle yourself down um, prior to going to bed. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, next question is from Andy, and he says, Hi, Coach. I've recorded two of my uh, matches for my local round-robin matches, and he's looking for some feedback 
as to what he's doing well and areas for improvement. Um, uh, yeah, how, what about his services, his returns? So he's asking, what are your thoughts and fees, Alloys? Yeah, so Andy, the the good news is that um, you're a premium member, so it doesn't cost you anything else. So, um, so part of the service we offer for our premium members is that um, we uh, that I'll look through your um, your matches or some um, some training and just offer you um, feedback on on that. Um, you know, if there, and if there's particular aspects that you want me to look at, um, because often you know I might look at something. Um, that you're not really that interested in. Um, so if you point me towards what you what you're looking at, um, I can uh, certainly help you out there. So uh, so Andy, that's all part of the premium membership uh, on the Ping Skills website. Excellent. And I see just before this podcast, hours recorded this podcast, he's actually sent you some links there, so you can have a look at Excellent. those and get back to him with some good advice. So Andy, it'll be coming um, shortly. Um, but during COVID, Alois, um, there's been a lot of um, video coaching sort of evolving. And um, what do you think of like video analysis and coaching? How beneficial can that be? Um, yeah, I, I tend to use it a lot and um, through um, through Paralympics Australia here in, in Australia, um, we've uh, been really lucky to have a really good system um, developed where we can um, you, uh, use video to basically watch players train uh, all over Australia and um, you know you can do it live or you can do it um, uh, from video and do analysis from that so uh, yeah and I, and I think it's I always say that the alternative is not seeing your player um, and not getting that direct feedback. So um, yeah, so it's definitely it's definitely a, a really powerful tool that uh, that you can use. Yeah, and and I wonder about the difference between doing it live and doing it later because like intuition, you would say, oh, live's going to be better because you can get the feedback straight away to them. But sometimes it's hard, or or it might break up some of their training anyway to get that message through. And sometimes the message might be best heard after the training and when you give some feedback and maybe they can watch the video back um, themselves and see your feedback and sort of correlate the two a bit better if they're watching the video and getting your feedback. So I think sometimes, yeah. you know, maybe both are good, but it could be like a really good idea to actually have that feedback done separately from the live um, training. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, uh, definitely both can be beneficial yeah for me i, I think um the live is um is beneficial because you can make some tweaks as you as you go along during the session as well but um yes yeah. yes definitely definitely nice one well um thanks for bringing that up andy and so yeah if anyone else is out there um if you're a premium member then yeah we'll try it out the video analysis get a short video and send it through to us and we'll alice will um analyze it for you and if you're not maybe join up as a premium member go to pingskills.com all right now speaking of premium members alice on this podcast we have a regular competition who am i do you have any news about this competition for us uh, i do indeed like i i really think that someone's 
in my in my um, inbox or something and um, and picking up all the all the uh, the clues I'm getting because um, I can't believe that we've had another winner and the winner is Martin Chu. So Martin, well done. You you were the winner of the uh, of the Who Am I competition. So um, what was the Who Am I and what was the clue and how did Martin get uh, it so quickly? I don't know. Like the 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 clue was that they had won fourteen uh, national titles. Um, and it was at least fourteen. Um, and the win and uh, the player was Gavin Rumgay from Scotland. And uh, and I can't believe that. Like in one clue, Martin Chu got it. There you go. Maybe you're gonna have to start much more general. Like I'm a table tennis player. <laughs> Yes, that's going to be. Oh, you've stole you stole my clue for this week. Oh, I might have given him a little bit more. Yeah, I have to give him a little bit more. Give him some kind of chance. All right, so well done to Martin. So you win a either a month free premium membership, or what else? A video analysis, was it? Yeah. Online, online. Yeah, good. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. Online video session. Yep. Online video session. Yeah, one hour online coaching or one month Pink Skills Premium Membership. That is fantastic, Martin. And so, um, obviously, Alice, we must have Who Am I? Episode 10 coming up now. Indeed. And the clue is my highest world ranking is 48 in Ooh. the senior ranks. In the senior at 48. Ooh, okay, I like it. Surely no one's going to get that. But if no. you've got an idea, head over to pingskills.com, log in, click on your name, go to competitions, and then put in your entry. Oh, fantastic. I like it. Highest ranking, 48. Hmm, nice. Now, Alice, I think that brings us on to the World Almanac 2022. Yes, bring and it on. You know, you did on this week, maybe I should combine it because on this World Almanac has, like, this week in celebrity birthdays, Joel Osteen. Don't know who that is, do you? No, never heard of him. Michelangelo, 1475 to 1564. I know Michael well. Yeah. Jenna Fisher? No. Must be from The Office, an actress, maybe. Uh, Lester Holt? No. Oscar Isaac? Nah. Celebrities. Carrie Underwood? Nah. From from The Voice? Nah. Anthony Davis? Tony Davis? Nah. (laughs) Born in 1993. (laughs) Hardly celebrities, huh? Hardly celebrities. To to be fair, to be fair, I'm probably not the best judge of... uh, whether these people are celebrities because I really don't know any celebrities. <laughs> All right. And today in sports history, well, this is for Tuesday the 8th of March, in 1971, yep. before I was born, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier faced off in a boxing match billed as the fight of the century. Frazier won by a unanimous decision after 15 rounds. Wow. There you go. <laughs> and um, in 1959, on the 9th of March, Mattel introduced the Barbie doll at the American International Toy Fair in New York. 1959. There you go. Yes. That's, so Barbie's, Barbie's pretty old. 
60 yeah. years old or something. Yeah, older wow. than you. <laughs> but just to compare again, I can't leave these out. Here's some OMG facts. Yeah, good. If every star in the Milky Way was a grain of salt, they would fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool. I think those ones are a bit hard to imagine, you know, how big that is. I don't know. Yeah, I I would I would have thought it was more than that. Yeah, me too. But a grain of salt's not very big. And how deep is an Olympic-sized swimming pool? Um, yeah, indeed. Here's another one. Every time you lick a stamp, you're consuming one-tenth of a calorie. What are you eating <laughs> off a stamp? That's ridiculous. When was the last time? When was the last time you licked a stamp? <laughs> a long time ago. That's stamp. why I'm looking I... so skinny these days, Alois. <laughs> I haven't licked a stamp for a very, very long time. It's it's a real weight loss strategy. <laughs> One tenth of a calorie every every time. Uh, now, just space, as well. Yeah, space is a vacuum. The laser beams in Star Wars would not be visible, nor would you be able to hear the explosions. See, I told you Star Wars was rubbish. And and this is interesting. While in Youngstown, Ohio, it's against the law to run out of gas. Well, where, that, where was that? In, in Youngstown, Ohio. Yeah. yeah. It's illegal to run out of gas. Yeah, against the law. Yep. Wow. Yeah, lucky I don't live there. <laughs> and here's, here's the last one to finish it off. Yeah. Heinz ketchup, or as we like to say here in Australia, tomato sauce. Yep. Heinz ketchup leaving the bottle travels at 25 miles per hour. <laughs> Depends on the squirter, doesn't it? Definitely, yeah. If you're just kind of just putting it on your pie, it's not coming down at 25 miles an hour. And there's some like we've got this little bottle at the moment that's got this funny little thingy holy thing, and when you squirt it, I, I swear it comes out at faster than 25 miles an hour. Oh, faster! Yeah, yeah, it just it just spurts out everywhere. It's like, does it go straight or does it come out at different no, angles? No, no, just everywhere. <laughs> just no everywhere. No and are you a big ketchup user or tomato sauce I, user? I do like I do like my tomato sauce, especially on a meat pie, Jeff. Oh, nothing, so good. Nothing better. Nothing oh, better. Nothing well, Alice, that is a great way to end the show. Um, so thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, make sure you go to pingskills.com. Check out those videos, developing, you know, kids, and also enter the Who Am I competition. So thanks for listening, and of course, thank you, Alloys, for all your words of wisdom. Uh, th- thanks, Jeff, and thanks, listeners, and we'll see you, hear you, speak to you next week. Cheers. Bye.